Dun, 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 dun. I tip my hat to the new constitution. Take a bow for the new revolution. Smile and grin, change all around. Pick up my guitar and play. Just like yesterday, when I get on my knees and pray. We don't get fooled again. Hey, welcome back to Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. I'll shortly be joined by Aaron and a surprise guest today. So uh, hang in there. They'll be with us shortly. Um, we were talking about some of the things going on uh, with uh, police issues. And one of the things that's come out of this, and this, I'm really happy to see like some actual suggestions because there's been lots of protests about what is wrong, but there's been not enough discussion about what to do. And so uh, if you go to 8cantwait.org, 8cantwait.org, um, there is basically a list of eight things that, that we'd like to see, and I'm going to add a ninth to that. So uh, it doesn't rhyme nice and nice and neat when you say, you know, nine would be fine. I don't know. That's, that doesn't work. But anyway, here's the eight. All right. Ban chokeholds and strangleholds. Number two, require de-escalation. Number three, require a warning before shooting. Number four, require requires you to uh, police officers to exhaust all alternatives before shooting. Number five, they have a duty to intervene if they see another officer behaving outside the scope the scope of their uh, or using excessive force. Um, Ban shooting at moving vehicles as a policy within every police department. Require use of force continuum so that there should be a, a ladder of escalation that they use when they're using force, um, which should also, they should you know, understandably be able to match the escalation of the person that they're facing with. So if they're talking to somebody and so the person's getting agitated and the next step might be, you know, um, raise your voice or something like that, but the person who who's they're talking to pulls out a knife well they jumped a few steps and they escalated the police officer should be able to match that level of escalation and defend themselves and protect people in the area uh, and then the last one is require comprehensive reporting uh, oh, here they are let's join welcome welcome how are you hi tobin there too going? He is. Hold on. I have headphones on because I wanted to reduce ro- reduce right. the noise. We are on the road, but hey, I'm going to take it off the headphones so Tobin can talk too. Yeah, as I as I hey, got us. This is an experiment. We'll see how it's going. As I got us up and broadcasting, I teased we would have a guest, so we'll see if we can do it. So hey. I'm not entirely sure. It says speaker off. Yeah, I. I um, he- can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. But you are not coming in just fine. Oh, no. Because it says the speaker's off. So I am oh. going to put the headphones back in. So. Interesting. Technical difficulties on Back from the Brink. Technical. Yeah. So. All right. So I was just, um, uh, you know, once I get the, the stream up and going, I usually start talking a little bit before you join us. And so I just went over the uh, eight can't wait items again and was going to add my ninth item, which is 
that police officers should lose qualified immunity if their behaviors are outside the policies of the law and or of their department so that they have qualified immunity as long as they're behaving properly. If they move outside of that and do something that is is uh, outside the procedural uh, uh, constraints that they have or the law, obviously, that they lose their qualified immunity. So, you know, I, I think, you know, qualified immunity has a place, but but across the board, qualified immunity isn't qualified. That's just immunity. Right. Right. You know? Well, you can do whatever the heck you want because yeah. you're a cop and nobody can say or do anything about right. it. Right, yeah. and that seems to be the way it's played. And I have known some some, some cops in my life, and, and, uh, and you know, most of them are great people. But there are some who clearly, that's sort of their attitude. It's sort of like, eh, I'll, I, you know, I can do it. Well, and you here's know? the thing. The, the people on the force who are, who are good, they know who the bad cops are. They know what goes on because these guys talk, right? So, yeah. you know, it, there needs to be... There's this there's this blue wall and yeah. there needs to be more transparency and you know, there need you need you need to root out bad cops and have yeah. the ability to root out bad cops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean clearly you know, it's the idea of defunding or, or, or you know, t- doing away with police forces is ludicrous. Um, but we do need to make some modifications in how they behave. I think some of the conversations about um, reassigning some of the responsibilities that have fallen to our police forces is probably a smart idea as well, that there are things that are better handled by a division of social services, regardless of what that is, or maybe the two in con- in concert, right? So, um, you know, the um, a, a social services person shows up with a police officer as backup in case things go, go south, Um you know, yes. but then in that situation, then clearly the social services person should be the one who makes the call and says, I can't deal with this. It's too dangerous. You know, you go in as opposed to the police officer being, I'll go in and make sure it's safe for you. You know, I mean, it's got to be, they got to work in concert. Yes. So I figured out now, I agree with you 100%. I figured out now how to put it on speaker so we can both mm-hmm. hear you. And Tobin is with us. Cool. Welcome, Tobin. How are you, Todd? Doing great. So we were continuing to talk about the eight can't wait um, uh, list of things, and, and I added to it the modification of their um, uh, immunity because I think that you know their their immunity hasn't really been qualified, and and that's unfortunate that they use that term, but it's really been just immunity, um, and that needs to be addressed. But I don't think we need to do away with it because I think that's a mistake as well. Um, you know, we've got to find some some balance in this time. But there's a lot of people who are infuriated and want to make knee-jerk reactions on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the question becomes, how do you modify that immunity, right, to make it more reasonable right? Um, so that it's not something that, and if you look at the statistics, over half of these cases get dropped off right off the, right off the gate because of qualified immunity. They won't even, press, they won't even bring it forward right. because of that. Yeah, and and I think that that essentially means it's not really qualified immunity; it's just immunity. And so that's yeah. why I said, you know, my, my line is, hey, if you break a law in the performance of your duty, or you uh, go outside the the documented policies of your department, then you lose qualified immunity. At that point, you 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 have behaved in a manner that was not acceptable by your community because your community and your your department created these policies. You know, and if they include the the list of the eight can't wait, that's great. I'm happy to see that there's finally some people putting together some suggestions as to what to do, because, you know, for the longest time, it seemed like everybody was protesting, saying, you know, uh, 
things aren't fair, things aren't even, things are, are wrong. But then that was the end of the conversation. And it was like, yeah. well, that doesn't help. I mean, you know, great. Things aren't wrong. I get it. I agree. What do we need to do? So I'm yeah. glad that we're now moving the conversation to, you know, here's eight things we can do. And I'm, you know, nine is fine if you want to add my my qualified immunity change in there. But um, but that doesn't, you know, doesn't work. That doesn't have the urgency of eight can't wait. doesn't rhyme as well. Well, the, the, the um, you know, they've added some other things that aren't part of that, that list. Um, one of them is the no-knock warrants. I don't know if you saw that for the Breonna Taylor case. Yes. That's a big issue as well now. Yeah. And that's, I, you know, I think there are reasons for that to exist, but boy, that has to be something that's the, the, the unusual case. That should be something that happens so rarely um, that, you know, it, it, that it, it, things like, like what happened in, in, in Breonna Taylor's case should not happen. You know, you can't be busting into people's apartments and ex- unannounced and expect them to just sit there and wait for you. You know, because a lot of these people, you know, if you're living in a poorer neighborhood, you you have the fear that somebody's going to bust in on you at any time anyway. And so some of these people have guns themselves for self-protection. Yes. And and to expect that if somebody busts in your house unannounced that you're not going to grab a gun, that's just asking for people to get killed. Yes. You know, it's just it's and just if you're sleeping in your bed, you're sleeping in your bed. If the, what threat was there to her for sleeping in her bed? Yeah, I thought she was sitting on the couch, but either way, she—you know—you should be able to do she that in your asleep, own. You should be able to do that in your own yeah. home uh, without fear of somebody busting in on the door and start screaming and shouting at you. Yeah, and and you know it takes a moment for them to bust the door down. It's not like the movies where the first kick and the door goes flying open. You know these guys have these these uh, this equipment and they'll bang that door three four times before it pops open, and that's the that's the wakes you up. You grab your gun. You hear this loud banging noise, and you're ready, you know. And this guy, her boyfriend, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, started shooting, you know. And the yeah. cops started shooting back, and she's the one who, who ends up, you know, dead. And then he right. got charged with assault on the cops. Yeah, and it's like but they were in the wrong house, and they didn't have any drugs. I mean, it was just it was a mess all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and and I I hope 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 that there's no way on earth that that man ends up being convicted. I mean. You know, well, to expect I some heard that because of the attention on the case, they actually released him. That they actually, I think, dropped the charges. But initially, yeah. until this case got some notoriety, he right. was charged. Right. Well, and 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 you got to think how many times has something like this happened and not gotten notoriety, and that person ends up not only being charged but being put in jail uh, yeah. for doing the thing that every intelligent person would do in that situation. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and which is the whole reason we're having these conversations about what to do. And I'm, like I said, I'm glad that we're we're starting to have the conversation about what to do because, um, you know, we we've had it's great that we've had conversations that something needs to be done, but we need to move beyond that and say what what is appropriate, you know. And of these, uh, you know, eight can't wait. I don't think there's anything there that is, um, you know, too big of an ask for a police department. It'd be like you said. It was interesting that that the um, that the San Bernardino uh, police chief came in and talked about four of those things. I would like to hear him talk about the other four as well. Um, it was also interesting that nobody called him on the um, on the you know the issue about the the uh, comprehensive reporting, whether it's use of force or threatened to use force against civilians. 
Um, you know, and the threat doesn't have to be as deep of an investigation, but it should be reported because yes. if there are officers that continually, you know, um, threaten force versus other officers that don't, maybe those officers need to be retrained, you know, and say, hey, there's so, other ways so to handle of, this. One of the issues that came up that I did not talk about on the regular show, and it was it was in the chat box and did not get adequately addressed by the chief, but uh, apparently Sam Ladino uh, all of these um, departments submit their use of force data or whatever, and San Bernardino has one of the highest use of force data in the state. And um, so, in other words, it's, they use force a lot in San Bernardino. Yeah. And and this question was asked, and the chief did not really address it. And um, you know, and so this is an issue. And then it was brought up that that there's a perception um, that goes back quite some time that the San Bernardino Police Department has an issue with racism. Um, I don't know if you remember back 15 years or more now, uh, maybe 20 years, when they were actually selling uh, uh, T-shirts about being the murder capital, the, the police department was, and sort of bragging, and they were all on Cops, the TV show, and, and it, there, there were some some things that were said and done in that time period that really inflamed uh, uh, the African-American and the Hispanic community because they felt like these cops were basically out there bragging about how they were arresting all these people. Right. Um, and, and, and so there's a there's a history there. You know? Yeah. Well, I haven't lived in specifically that area in a long time, so I wasn't aware of that. But, um, yeah, that kind of thing and that kind of history um, just makes the community less trusting and less um, willing to to uh, tolerate and 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 uh, and have an open communication with the department. Exactly. Yeah, just makes it all harder. So I'm going to leave you and Aaron for the show. I actually have a doctor's appointment this morning, so I've got to go and get myself ready for that. So I'm going to uh, leave you guys to finish all up right. the show. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it was great. Uh, you guys have a good show. Thank you. Thank you, Tobin. It's been fun having you with us this morning. So yeah. uh, so I have to give a shout-out. There's a, a grand opening of a new restaurant here in San Bernardino. Oh, today's um, the day. Today is the day Cafe Organics, which is at 420 East Waterman Avenue. Um, they, yeah, John uh, Sally, second, right? I, yes. Yeah. Yeah, former Laker and Piston, and I think he played for about five different teams over his career. Um, but uh, John Sally, great basketball player, great humanitarian, and uh, and now restaurateur. Exactly. So he's a chef now, and... And uh, forgive me, I had to put my headphones back in to have a to have better sound quality. Um, and so uh, his the restaurant opens, I think, at eleven thirty today. That's when they're they're doing a a grand opening celebration and uh, a ribbon cutting. And so the ceremony happens at, at eleven thirty. It's either eleven or eleven thirty. They mm -hmm. do have a website. Um, if you Google Cafe Organics and that's with an X at the end, not a CS, um, you will be able to find them or or grand opening. Cafe Organics. Um, they're going to be open, I think, until 8 o'clock tonight. And they do soups and salads and sandwiches and coffee mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that kind of vegan stuff. And I was looking at um, at their menu and it looks, all of it looks divine. So I'm like, I think this is going to be my new place because, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. all this really great food. Um, so I'm super excited. We're going to go. I can't go at noon, you know, at the at the opening time because I because of work. But um, right. Uh, I'm, I am going to go today and 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 try the food. Sounds great. Sounds great. Do you know, is he supposed to be there for the grand opening? Um, I would assume so. I would assume uh -huh. so. 
but I, yeah. I don't know for a fact. Yeah, you would think he would be there for the grand opening, but then he might go, uh, might not hang around all day. But I don't know. I don't know if he lives in the area. I mean, he, he if he uh, plans on being there on a regular basis or if he's launching it and he's got a head chef that's going to run the place or how, I don't know the setup. So um, I don't either. Yeah, so maybe you can find out a little bit when you guys go over because uh, it's uh, nice to see businesses opening in this time of businesses closing and contraction. To see somebody coming into a community and saying we're going to uh, we're going to start something here. You know? Well, I love that they put it in San Bernardino, and but it's you know close enough because well, we know we talked about this um, before that Loma Linda. Uh, the city of Loma Linda, which is the only blue zone in uh, in North America, and I think it's still the only blue zone in North America. And blue zone, blue zones are um, are regions where they have a very high density of people who live to be 100 years old, and so um, many of them are vegetarian and or 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 vegans. And so there's a market right there. It's close enough. It's on the SBX line. So they can take the speedy bus from the Loma Linda University Medical Center to uh, to uh, the restaurant to get to grab lunch and then go back to work. Um, but I love that they it's in San Bernardino because San Bernardino, which is right next door to Loma Linda, is a food desert. I mean, it's gotten a little better, but not much. Um, there's a you know health outcomes are dramatically different in San Bernardino than they are in Loma Linda, and so I I love that there's a, a you know going to be a good vegan restaurant opening up here. Makes me yeah. excited. Yeah, the original, there was originally only five blue zones. It was part of a National Geographic's cover story in 2005. Uh, Okinawa, Japan, uh, Ikaria in uh, Sard... Um, um, let's see, where's it? Uh, it's in Greece. Greece, Sardinia, thank, Greece. Yeah, Sardinia, but there's also one in Ikaria, which is in um, Slovenia. Nicoya, ah. which is in um, Costa Rica, and Loma Linda, California. Yep. Yep. So, and I know that there are there are efforts to, to create oh, more blue Sardinia's zones, but... in Italy. Our, oh, it's Icar- in Italy. Sorry. Icaria is in Greece. You were right. Greece was one of them. Icaria, uh, and I may be pronouncing it wrong, and then Sardinia in Italy. So, awesome. yeah. So, um, I know that there's some efforts to, um, along the coast of California, uh, South Orange County area, uh, Newport da- on down to, to create another blue zone. I, I, I know that's been underway. I don't know where that stands. But at the moment, I think it's just uh, Loma Linda is still the only one in North America. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because um, there was a study done afterwards saying that each of those uh, locations, is there's a correlation between the number of claimed centurions there, which is what they were measuring, and the lack of birth certificates in that region. So so they're positing that some of this could be a, a, a miscalculation. But I would think that that wouldn't be the case for uh, Loma Linda. Right. You no, know, yeah. It, it they... might be in a carry of Greece, but in Loma Linda, they've got birth certificates. <laughs> in a ginormous hospital. In fact, two of them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's, yeah, there's a, the VA hospital and the, the children's hospital and the medical center. And, yeah, it's, a, it's hospital central there. Yeah. In fact, um, they've got one of the top... Um, uh, child uh, uh, pediatric centers in the country there. Uh, in fact, remember back in the was it, 80s, I think, maybe? Um, they tried to save a young lady's heart by putting her life by putting a baboon heart. Baby Faye, I think was yeah. her name, if I remember right. Yeah. Right. And she yeah. didn't survive, but they learned no. a lot through the process. Yeah. Yeah. But it was the interesting attempt to say, hey, can we keep somebody alive? If we can't find a, a heart for them, can we use a, a baboon's heart? Uh, yeah, didn't work. But uh, it, didn't, it didn't work. Certainly, in the public imagination, raised a lot of 
eyebrows about whether or not it was going to be possible and whether or not it was something we should be doing. Right. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of conversations about whether or not that was a uh, um, an ethical thing to do. So. So yeah. Um, anyway, so go out to Cafe yeah. Organics. Four twenty. Yeah, we kind of got off. The... <laughs> I know. Four twenty East uh, uh, Hospitality Lane, which is uh, immediately uh, east of uh, Waterman Avenue. Off, you know, on Hospitality. If you've ever been to TGI Fridays, you it's the same little um, strip mall shopping area. It's right on the corner. Uh, when you get off the ten, uh, get off the ten freeway at Waterman, you can see it. So. Um, uh, yep, you should check it out. Today is their grand opening. Yep. So head on ding, down. Ding. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely back on the food talk there. Yeah. On the that, food train. <laughs> that was a three dinger. That's a three dinger. Yeah, you know, yeah. we I, food is one of those things that brings people mm-hmm. joy. It brings yeah. people joy. Although last Honest- night Tobin Tobin wasn't feeling very joyful. He got a craving for a Rosa Maria's burrito. Uh, Rosa Maria's was closed. Yeah. So he he's like, I'm going to Del Taco. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's 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 a a faint resemblance to to yeah, Rosa exactly. Maria's. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's ish. Dang. You know, when I lived, I lived for a couple of years in uh, Pennsylvania, north of Pittsburgh, and uh, I went to I think every Mexican restaurant from Buffalo. Uh, to Pittsburgh and could not find anything that I felt was what I like anything I was used to. And of course I grew up in New Mexico and Southern California. So I'm used to having Mexican food at, you know, every corner and I can go get pretty good Mexican food at a lot of hole in the wall, family owned places because, you know, they just know what they're doing and they know how to season it. And um, in Pennsylvania, they just don't Um, No. Now they may have changed. It's been 20 years since I've lived there, but at that time it was I, I it was so bad that um I had a brother-in-law freeze Mexican food from a Roberto's in San Diego and and pack it on dry ice and mail it to me for my birthday. Oh, that's so nice. It was one of the best birthday presents I ever had. He said, "Yeah, I bought $20 worth of food and $60 worth of shipping." <laughs> I went, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's funny when when I I I I ate the food like one bit of food at a time with a, with a meal because it's like I just I wanted to save it and savor it. And then when it, when the food was gone, I still had some of the hot sauce left over. And so then I would go down to Taco Bell because there weren't any Del Tacos there. Taco Bell, and I would then doctor the Taco Bell up with the Roberto's hot sauce, and until it was gone, it was like oh that was such a good good birthday present okay so roberto's in san diego is banging i actually really like their taquitos or rolled tacos mm-hmm. um and um uh, you know when i was i haven't been to one in a long time so when i was in san diego when i was frequenting san, san diego a lot i would go down there and get yeah. their tacos or rolled tacos they're so good yeah so good yeah in san diego there's two sort of like hole-in-the-wall chains. I don't want to call them hole-in-the-wall because they're not. They're nice restaurants in some of them some cases, but some they are a little bit older. But there's Roberto's and there's Alberto's. And Alberto's is now up here. You can find Alberto's in the area, and they're actually very good as well. But it seemed to me like in San Diego you were either a Roberto's person or an Alberto's person. <laughs> so know? in our area, there's Alberto's, there's Rambertos, there's Alberto's. There's, I mean, it's like 
Are you all in the same family and you hate each other? So you started competing restaurants. And the thing about it is their marketing and their logos are all similar. Their colors yeah. are all similar. And yeah. you're like, wait, is that an Ellen Bertos or a Rambertos or an Albertos or whatever? Yeah. Just say Bertos. <laughs> Going to Bertos. Which one? Doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, you know, um, I, I, I've noticed that, too, and I don't know if it's just, hey, let's take advantage of the fact that there are, um, uh, you know, that the name is similar, and so somebody will come here thinking they're at the other one, or, or whether it's just like, you know, hey, we're going to name it the name of, you know, Papa Remberto, who, who, who made the place, or, you know, Alberto, or Billy Berto, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So. Uh, yeah, when I was pregnant with my son, um, I wanted um, Alberto's carne asada burritos. And they were huge, loaded with onions and spice. They were so good. Um, yeah. And that was my that was what I craved. Um, yeah. And so uh, there was one on, in Riverside, um, and it was on Central. And that's where I would go. It was yeah. delicious. Yeah, no, we've talked about it. You and I both crave some heat. And so it's, uh, you know, we, we like a little spice in our food. Um, exactly. And, uh, you know, you know, I mean, you're 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 a Texan at heart. And I like I said, I spent uh, basically from third grade through adulthood in either New Mexico or Southern California. And you, you don't live in that region without um, learning to uh, really appreciate some good uh, Mexican cooking, Mexican style food. And it's exactly, it's, uh, you know, Ex it's exactly. Yeah. Although I do remember when I moved from New Mexico to California, I thought everything was a little bland because New Mexico, the the food is um, heavily influenced by some of the uh, local uh, Indian tribes, some of the indigenous people tribes there. And they used hot peppers a lot more and hotter peppers than the standard um, Mexican style foods that are here in California. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, and, you know, it's, I'd kind of forgotten about that. And then a few years ago we were traveling back East and I stopped in, in Albuquerque and got some food and it was like, oh yeah, this is the food of my youth. It was so good. <laughs> and my wife yes. like was tasting it going, I can't feel my tongue. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, but it's so good. Yeah. It sounds wonderful. And you know, it's, it's interesting because I would describe New Mexico Mexican food as being earthier than California Mexican food. Um, and so we are more likely to see fish tacos and fresh pico de gallo, and they're more likely to see like heavier sauces mm -hmm. um, and more, um, you know, just 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 like chili spices, like spices that you would find in chili that you don't necessarily see here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's different. It's um, uh, it, both all of it's delicious, but it's right. it, it's definitely got a different feel. Yeah. Um, you know, there you're I. Um, when I think of, of New Mexico Mexican food, I, I, I remember I would eat more things that had masa flour. So uh, the uh, tamales, although we eat those here. Um, mm -hmm. And I, you know, it just, it's, so papillas are, ha are, are a dessert we, we don't yeah. see here. Yeah, that's um, a Chilean uh, um, uh, food. Oh, really? Yeah. At least that's what I was told by a Chilean who said, oh, yeah, this is the food of my home. And he was surprised that I knew about it. That was in San Diego when I was going to school. And I went, yeah, in New Mexico, they, every Mexican restaurant has these. And he goes, exactly. really? And he had delicious. no idea. He had yeah. no idea. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just, that was part of the meal, you know. 
that and open faced enchiladas. You know, when I yes. came here and all the enchiladas were rolled, I was I was puzzled because I had grown up with enchiladas stacked like a stack of pancakes with cheese and, and, and meats in between them and then a very often a fried egg on top. And then the sauce was different. It was a um uh more spicy a hot peppery sauce than than te- typically uh sold here. And more chipotle sauces. So like like the yeah. um like um, if you've ever had barbacoa, like fresh barbacoa, um, it's 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 that kind of earthiness. That I mean, it's delicious. I love yeah. it. But it, it's um, yeah, uh, just more use of the peppers, and and they would smoke the peppers and grill the peppers, like, and, like adobo yeah. adobo chilies, adobo mm-hmm. yeah, um, and of course hatch chilies. Got to have hatch. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Good. <laughs> Making me hungry. I know. Making so me hungry. Be, you know, summer is here, so it's supposed to be a nice warm weekend. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I got to get out of the house. I'm so, you know, I, not that I don't love my house, but that's, I want to get out and go do something, yeah. you know, even if we're just driving. So maybe we'll head up to the mountains. Maybe we'll do something because I just, yeah, I'm going a little bonkers. Yeah, I don't know what it's like over there, but currently in Corona, it's 62 degrees with a high of 88 expected day. And it'll be clear throughout the day. It's a little warmer here, but uh-huh. I think it's supposed to be like 90, 91 today. So, um, but not much warmer. Um, now, so there's been all of these articles and on, on the news about the fireworks that have been going off since mid-May. I mean, really, well, second week in May is when they started, people started, um, second, third week in May when people started letting off fireworks. And it's been relentless every night. It really it's has. all over the country. Yeah. Um, so much so that, the UK newspapers have been picking up stories about about fireworks, and um, uh, I saw one article that said just that Americans are bored, and so they're letting off. <laughs> that might be something to it. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's like we've been sitting around all day watching uh, HGTV and uh, and the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Not that I'm pointing my finger at anybody in my family, but um, and so at night you want to you know get your heart going a little bit. So, boom. Exactly, kaboom! But there there was <laughs> there was a story about like some just idiots in New York who were letting off um, all you know um, uh, Roman candles, and one of them went into a, a person like a family's home because you know it's all apartments and everything's. You know, there's tall buildings, so it's not like mm-hmm. it, it can hit the open sky. And it, this, they showed this three-year-old with third-degree burns on her arms because a, a bottle rocket, um, Roman candle, whatever, had ended up in her, in her bed with her. Wow. Because it went through the window. Um, and so, you know, and they show these idiots out there with, the, with this ordinance next to cars, next to homes. There was a home in Colton that caught fire because of a, um, uh, a firework. Um, so there, you know, you're it, these. This isn't silly kid stuff. This is. It isn't, but I got to say, if you have an open window and you don't have a screen on it, that's on you. If you're letting bugs and fireworks in, you should know better. <laughs> well, I'm thinking that the fireworks could you know, get through the screen. Bugs and fireworks. That's a thing now. <laughs> Apparently, yes. Apparently, yeah. No, I don't want to yes. make. I don't want to make light of a child being burned, but I, but but um, uh, yeah, a screen would stop a bottle rocket. But anyhow, um, yeah, not that it should, so, not that that's something you have to think about, right? But right, that's so scary. Yeah, 
so you know, and of course the conspiracy theorists are 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 out there, you know, with their with their own theories about uh, what's going on. This is you know a, a civil war is coming. Um, retailers are, but retailers just say no, people are bored, so they're buying stuff. Um, but you know they're having to go elsewhere, at least in California, because the ordinance that's going off here is all illegal. You know, I mean, people aren't mm-hmm. doing the little sparklers. They're doing big Roman candle, yeah. bottle rocket, whatever. Yeah, things. big M80 boom bangers that shake exactly. you know, shake and rattle the windows. And I'll tell you what, exactly. those will do some damage. Those will do some damage. Um, I don't know the actual size, or the, but I remember in high school people saying, yeah, it's like that's a quarter stick of dynamite. And, then, you know, given the amount of boom that it makes, I wouldn't be surprised. So um, there's an online conspiracy theory that the federal government is uh, is in on it, trying to desensitize desensitize people to rising levels of force with constant light and noise. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. Crazy, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't believe so, that either. It's some it's, it's Looney Tunes. That, exactly. Some theorists say that. Uh, fireworks appear to be professional grade. I would agree, at least the ones we see here, because people just go yeah. down to Mexico and get them. Yeah, I was going to say, we're um, close enough to the border that there's a lot of people who just go drive across the border and go buy whatever they want. Exactly. Um, retailers are confirming that they're selling out. Um, you know, And yeah, it's getting co- close to the 4th of July, but you know, people are buying and then they're going back and buying more because they use them all. Um, across the country, pe- the retailers are having a hard time keeping fireworks on their shelves. Yeah, um, so many places student. use that. So many people use the business or, or groups use that as a fundraiser for their year too. They must be just rolling in it. Yeah, although I don't, I haven't seen those up yet. I think they go up. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention because I'm not really out much. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's for some nonprofits. I think out here, the Native Sons for the Gold, uh, the Native mm-hmm. Sons of the Golden West in San Bernardino. Yeah, they that's that's like all of their revenue for a year. For a year, yeah. Um, well, I'm just saying we're only we're less than two weeks away, so it's it's they got to be out. I I haven't really seen it yeah. either, but I haven't been looking. We are actually one week one week away from Fourth of July. Fourth of July is next Friday. Wow. Yeah. Well, well that's think, less than Saturday. two weeks. You're right. You're right. You're right. My birthday is Tuesday, so it's it's Saturday. Saturday. So a college student who spent $716 in one shopping trip said he couldn't help stocking up. When you start shopping, you just want to keep buying stuff. It's like an addiction. Yeah, okay, dude. So as long as you don't scream at me about paying your student loans, we're good. <laughs> yeah, that's because if you say it's like an addiction, that excuses everything because you couldn't oh, help so there yourself. You, go. you couldn't help yourself. It was an addiction. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Um, so apparently, Peggy Noonan has unloaded on Trump. Do you know who Peggy Noonan is? I do. She was a speechwriter for Ronald Reagan. She's now a syndicated columnist, and mm-hmm. her op-ed pieces are general. They're carried in the Wall Street Journal. So she works with uh, the Wall Street Journal. Um, uh, so this for conservative columnist Peggy Noonan, um, she said something has shifted this month. And those were her words. Um, that, uh, that something revolves around President Trump's ability to lead a nation in a crisis. In a scathing column, the former speechwriter for Ronald Reagan paints a damning picture of Trump's performance. In some new way, his limitations are being seen and acknowledged. And at a moment when people are worried about the continuance of their country and their own ability to continue with it, he hasn't been equal to mul- the multiple crises. Good or bad news, he rarely makes any situation better. And everyone kind of knows. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, agree. I mean, he he, says, 
he doesn't have he doesn't measure his comments at all. It's it's you know what whatever pops in his head comes out of his mouth on his Twitter account. Exactly. And, and and that's that's the way he rolls, you know. Even on purely political grounds, she accuses him of malpractice because he failed to build support beyond forty percent of the country, even when the economy was rising, and the military was not really fighting any hot wars. Uh, instead, he uh, remained obsessed with his own base, um, and and uh, he doesn't understand um, his own base. She said that she's never seen this in national politics. She acknowledges that uh, Trump supporters um, have been silent, and they uh, uh, and will stay that way, even when pollsters, even with pollsters, to avoid being hassled um, or being labeled uh, as you know Trump supporters. Um, I'm I'm I'm. I'm not sure I, I agree I with have, her in that. In go ahead, finish your thought. No, I, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm not sure that I agree with her. Uh, yeah, um, I think I think it's a mischaracterization mischaracterization of them. I don't think they're embarrassed to be Trump supporters. I think they don't do tro- po- uh, polls because they don't trust the pollsters. They don't trust the 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 companies and the news agencies that are doing the polling. They think that they will twist and lie regardless of what you say in the poll, and so they just refuse to participate, which is why there hasn't been any polls that I've seen, you know, even in the 2016 competition that I thought accurately reflected his support. And so when they say that he's, you know, being outpolled out by Joe Biden 50 percent to 36 uh, percent, that take it with a grain of salt because the people who support Trump don't pay attention to the polls. Fair enough. I would agree with her. I think that he had he had an opportunity to to rise to a um, a level of leadership that we haven't seen in him. You really see how people operate in a crisis, right? Yeah. Um, and what they're made of. And what we've seen is that he's not made of much. Yeah. He has not. We needed Ronald Reagan. And it's yeah. really interesting that it's Peggy Noonan that's come out and said this because. We needed Ronald Reagan. We needed somebody yeah. who could calm the nerves, or frankly, well, you know Roosevelt, what? or, yeah. or G- George Bush after the 9/11. I mean, you know, exactly. there were a lot of people who who were not fans of his, but in the times right after the 9/11 attacks, I don't think there was anybody who didn't say, you know, we're behind our president, we're behind our country, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna come out of this and we're gonna figure it out, you know, because yeah. you know he he for all his his strengths and weaknesses. You know, he at 9-11, he was at ground zero and climbed up on the pile of rubble and gave uh, an impressive speech and acted like a leader. Well, and they said, we can't hear you. And his response was, I can hear you. And then everybody went nuts. I will never forget it because he he was he was the president. He was leading the country in a very meaningful way. And and, in a time of crisis, people need their leaders to be um, to be unflappable and they need them to be strong but also empathetic like i i hear you that was the perfect thing to say and the current president can't manage to do that yeah yeah he's still being petty and small because he can't hear you no he can't you know he chooses not to yeah you know that's and and i think you know that just rises from his basic um operating premise which is that you know, he's the smartest room in any room he's in, and so he doesn't really have to listen to anybody too much because they're not as smart as him. That seems yes. to be his 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 basic operational uh, mode, and yes. and so you know it. it uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time ragging on the president because I don't think that there's anything beneficial about it. We've got a we've got a um, an election coming up, and people can make their own decisions about you know whether or not he has been 
the leader that we need in this time. But, uh, um, you know, or whether or not the alternative is any better or or although he would certainly be different, whether or not he would be any better. Um, you know, I, I but it is interesting to see that somebody who has pretty solid conservative credentials starting to speak out against uh, the president, because a lot of Republicans just sort of fell in line with Trumpism and seem to yeah. abandon their basic um, uh reasons for being Republicans. And and so consequently, a lot of Republicans just left the party. George Will is now an independent. You know, you and I both left the Republican Party. We just said, I'm not going to be part of a party that has that guy as our leader. Yep. So So let's bring it closer to home and talk about something um, just really fun. Uh, Disneyland and Disney World, is they're both going to be remaking their Splash Mountain. And they're going to be, it's going to have a princess and the frog theme. So did, do you like Splash Mountain or did you like Splash Mountain? You know, I enjoyed it when I went to Disneyland. I mean, I, it, it, yeah, it was one of the iconic rides there. I'm not so sure I like the idea of it being Princess and the Frog. Why? I mean, we'll see how it pulls off. You know, because to me it had more of a Tom Sawyer um, type of wilderness adventure log ride feel. And, and Princess and the Frog to me doesn't quite fit that. I mean, I guess... It's sort of set Louisiana-ish, all right? I mean... Yeah, but it's it's interesting because the... You're right. I mean, the... the um, it was... Um, it was part of Bear Country in, at one time. Exactly. It's not in that, like, New Orleans Square kind of area, right? Right. So, because um, there is a New Orleans, you know, square. Right. Uh, you know, the Mediterranean... Not, not Mediterranean. Um, uh, that New Orleans, Louisiana... Mm-hmm. Um, bayou. Uh, bayou kind of feel. And there's that yeah. sort of a... We already got Pirates of the Caribbean there, which is already a water ride. Yes. I I, I mean, fine. (laughs) You know, I honestly, I did not like Princess and the Frog um, as a movie because I felt Mm -hmm. like Disney did not do the story service. I felt like they phoned it in, that it was not, it didn't have the depth, it didn't have um, the music, it didn't have, I mean, it wasn't, um, I just didn't like it. And 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 it made me sad because you finally get an African-American princess and I felt like they phoned it in. I, it was not given the care that some of the other movies were given. And that bothered me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the, the, yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll let, I'll let you just take it there. I, I, I have, I feel similarly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, the, the theme parks are going to be, uh, opening on July 17th. Um, or they were going to, but now, um, uh, hang on. Disney proposed reopening on July 17th, but that re- reopening of the parks has been delayed. Um, and so, you know, COVID is making a comeback. And so Disney's uh-huh. trying to figure out how to be open. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so two, two of the states that have had the biggest uptick are Florida and California. California. And, and yeah. that's where Disney World and Disneyland are. Apple has closed all of the stores that they had reopened in Florida, by the way. All of Seriously. their Apple stores, they had reopened their Apple stores. They have closed them all back up, said, you know what? This is we're not going to ask our employees to be out in public. This is not safe for them. I just worry about those employees. I worry that, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, how can who can be off of work for six months? You know, yeah. the, the 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 federal government needs to because um, on July 24th, the um, the extra unemployment sunsets. So they've got to replace that. Yep. I know they're working on it and there's there's um, some 
some bills that are pending, but nothing has been passed yet. So we'll see what actually happens and whether or not, uh, uh, you know, whether or not it actually gets there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So it looks like we are about out of time. Are we? Are you sure? No, you have to stay. That's it. <laughs> I got to go to work. No, no work today. Today we're just going to sit here and talk, and then That's... when we're done, then you can go get food. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds perfect. Isn't that, that a great Friday? Perfect. I have yes. decreed. No, I know you've got some deadlines, and you you got some stuff you got to knock out. So um, have have a great day and knock that stuff out. Hope it happen, goes you. smoothly for you so that Thank you can you. then relax with an adult beverage and some great food from, um, what's the name of the restaurant again? Cafe Organics. Cafe Organics opening at 11 o'clock. Clock, clock. Woohoo! So, so, all right. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great and, day. Uh, I'm, I'm Aaron Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, we bum fumbled through that, but that's all right. We're going to see you on Monday.